I think we're ready to. I, th I think this will be some of the, the fun stuff. Hey, we're um, getting into the fun stuff, folks. Here's what's fun about it. This is the stuff that's relevant at the social political level, the, the ideological level, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do you know two birds one stone. I'm gonna talk about what fundamental fantasy is and what it does at the individual level, and then I'm gonna talk about how Zizek has taken these Lacanian insights and applied them to different ideologies. And the one in particular we're going to talk about is Nazism. Nazism. Okay. Before we jump down that, I mean, because I'd already said that I was going to do it. Are you are you prepared or should we just kind of bracket this off for later? But I, the, the ideal ego versus ego ideal, because it seems like everything you were talking about related to that, and we talked a lot about that last time. Okay. I mean, just briefly, you have three key aspects to your ego <clears throat> and um, two of them are situated primarily in the imaginary but one of them has to do with the symbolic and so of course we all just have a basic sense of self right that's our ego right I, I'm aware of myself I'm aware that I'm talking right now that's that's the ego but the ego also has an ideal ego and the ideal ego is the idealized image of yourself you have in your head. We all have an image or images of how we would like to be, the kind of person we, 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 we aspire to be. And that, that, that kind of um, idealized sense of self is your ideal ego. But we're all aware that we do that. We're, we, we oftentimes sit around like in narcissistic enjoyment thinking about how we would like to be right and we can picture our ideal ego in our heads but what Lacan what his insight is is that there's something else that's determining the ideal ego so think about like okay I have a sense of self that I want to be I have an idealized image of myself but I can't actually realize it and it's kind of torturing me well let me break apart my ideal ego and establish a different ideal ego and then I'll be freed from all the tension and guilt and negative feelings that my current ideal ego forces me to have. Lacan's point is, yeah, there is this ideal ego, this idealized image of yourself, but the, 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 the counterpart to it is your ego ideal. And the ego ideal is the gaze for whom you want to be your idealized ego. And so here's the thing. If you change the content of your idealized ego, right? Oh, I, I, don't, I, I imagine myself being like this, but let me switch and now I picture myself being like this. Your ego ideal can remain the same. So when we talk about the, the other for whom you want to be this, imagine like some kind of pure gaze that has a certain set of values that, you know, it, it privileges certain things over other things. And it's like, okay, if I can be this, then I will satisfy the other, right? It's almost this desire of the other, but in the, this other register where you're dealing with these images of yourself. But the point is your idealized ego is not something that you just spontaneously produce, right? It's, it's not something that you get credit for what it is excuse me, is an answer to the ego ideal, the set of values, like the, 
the gaze that's judging you. Like, do you live up to the set of standards I have? And the point is, in, in early childhood, I mean, even in the mirror stage, the parents are holding the baby in front of the mirror, and the baby gets a sense like, oh, my idealized self is this, this whole being, right? I'm this fragmented little, this little person that can't control itself, but, oh, there's the ideal image in the mirror. But the point is, it's your parents holding you up, and there's certain aspects of yourself that, you know, they start saying things about you. Oh, you're a big boy, or, you know, they, they start applauding certain behavior, uh, certain mannerisms, like little things about yourself, and you start to build your ideal ego out of the values that the ego ideal, the parents' gaze, bestows on you. And... So the real revolutionary thing when it comes to your identity would be not so much attacking your idealized ego, but attacking the ego ideal that you're constantly trying to satisfy. And this is part of what analysis will do. I mean, at least for certain people, some of their problem is that they feel like there's these standards that no matter what they accomplish, no matter who they become, they can't satisfy these standards and these standards are very, very oppressive in certain cases. And I mean, think about somebody who struggles with, you know, heteronormative ego ideal, right? Growing up with parents who are very much, you know, tapped into heteronormativity, um, that can be completely oppressive, right? And so the, the key wouldn't be in undermining the ideal ego, it would be in undermining the ego ideal in that case. But the problem is when we when we have these moments where we have daydreams or whatever of our idealized selves, we never notice the other. It's like off stage, right? You don't notice for whom you want to be this ideal ego. And so part of analysis would be to undermine, you know, an oppressive ego ideal, which is to say, you know, certain standards that these standards are arbitrary but they've become the law in my life right that's not to say though however that the ego ideal is just intrinsically a bad thing sometimes the ego ideal uh is a great thing right it's not to it's not saying ego ideal is bad uh in fact we could say that in our current society right where the emphasis is you know there's this other thing called the super ego and it's i know super ego you think it's part of the ego but it's not really it's not really part of your ego, so to speak. It's, I mean, it's part of your, 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 uh, your, it's like a moral agency, but it's not the super ego that everybody thinks of. People think of the super ego as society has all these standards. It's basically like they think of the super ego as the ego ideal. Like, oh, there's these lofty standards and you can't live up to them. And I make you feel guilty for not living in accordance with, uh, self-discipline and self-denial and all these proper virtues, right? In reality, the superego for Lacan and Zizek, the superegos is a law unto itself. It's what tells you enjoy, 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 right? Do not compromise your desire. Uh, live to your heart's content, right? And then because we can't actually enjoy uh, as much as it demands us to enjoy, we feel guilty for not enjoying enough. The ego ideal might make us feel guilty for having enjoyed, but right. the super ego makes us feel guilty for not enjoying enough. Right, which is and, which is why you, it's like people are more miserable because they're not happy 
than just because they're not happy. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 you know, oh, how are you? You, 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 you dread that question because then you, ha- oh, well, I'm great, you know, or, oh, well, you know, it's like, and then you, if you, if you, if you, if you are to like go into detail, people are like, oh, well, what's wrong? And body is, well, nothing's wrong. I'm just not like, I'm not irrationally exuberant today like I'm not, I didn't wake up thinking everything was fucking rainbows and I'm dancing through the meadow of life like I'm just like it's just a day it's just a fucking day but stop trying to prod because people are going to start prodding it's like no it's it's just literally just a day but it's like but no if, if you are if, if, if that's a problem for you it can make you even more miserable it's like yeah. oh I'm not I'm not enjoying oh no I'm not a great capitalist subject today Exactly. And consumerism puts all the emphasis on this super ego imperative to enjoy. So, I mean, this is what why I like Lacan so much. He gives us so many of these distinctions that you start to be able to say, well, what's the problem in this particular case, right? So for us as consumer subjects, we're, our whole lives are based on this weird ethic of enjoyment, that we have a duty to enjoy ourselves at all times, at all places, right? And so it's almost as if, and Zizek talks about this, especially in his book, The Ticklish Subject, that part of the reason why we're so unhappy is because we don't have a big enough ego ideal. Like, ego ideal would have to do with these standards that put uh, prohibitions and limits on your enjoyment. And so this is part of, again, the tragedy where all we are doing in our lives are seeking uh, is seeking jouissance, enjoyment. Yet the second we get it or we have some amount of it, it's unsatisfying and we think there's some other enjoyment out there that's better. It's the grass is greener thing. But <clears throat> just living for immediate gratification, in a sense, it makes enjoyment, for lack of, like, I, I guess it's like, compare it to Coke, right? Coke goes flat, right? No, Nobody wants to drink flat Coke. Well, when... You don't oh, that have Coke. Any, yeah, like when you when you don't have any prohibition in your life, nothing's eroticized. That's one of the the fundamental insights of psychoanalysis is that prohibition eroticizes. So if there is no prohibition and you're free to just enjoy, you don't really enjoy anything because nothing carries that strong sexual charge of being prohibited. No kinks. At, at the same time, certain certain prohibitions ruin a person's life. And make it where they can't, you know, whether, you know, prohibitions against homosexuality. That's a completely oppressive prohibition that ruins your life. And so the question is, what is the dynamic between the ego ideal and the superego? And sometimes the superego is the problem. But other times, if, if it's to go back to like the heteronormative thing, right? If the ego ideal is homophobic, then the superego is a kind of, you know, it's a freedom fighter because it's saying, Fuck your norms. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to live my truth. I'm going to live my life in a way that I find enjoyable. And then in that case, the superego has this revolutionary push to it because it's going to say, I'm not conforming to your bullshit arbitrary norms. Uh, but, but again, it's a matter of going case by case. Like, is the ego ideal the problem or is it the superego? And the point is, for Lacan, there's really, you're never going to balance this. That's part of the tragedy of being human. Like, Without prohibition, we don't enjoy, but too much prohibition obviously, you know, ruins your life. And yeah, I mean, you kind of want to do the Aristotelian thing, which is, oh, there's the doctrine of the mean, right? There has to be a, a, 
a middle ground, right, that you can arrive at. But the whole tr point of jouissance or enjoyment, Lacan talks about how jouissance starts with a tickle and turns into a blaze. Uh, he say it, like it goes from zero to sixty in no time. Like once you, once you tap into enjoyment, then it can take over your life and explode. It like turns your your reality into a fire, and so there really is no way of having a real balance because jouissance, he associates jouissance or enjoyment with superego and with death drive. And the point is, the second they get they they take control, their very structure is there to go as push it to the limit, go as much as they can. They they're totally against the pleasure principle, which the pleasure principle here is you know, having homeostasis in the body, being calm, right? Not having uh, too much excitation in the body. It's ba basically the body free of excitation. So on the one hand, with the pleasure principle, you're constantly seeking calm and homeostasis, but this other aspect of you, death drive, super ego, they're constantly trying to have as much excitation as possible, which is jouissance. So there's this built-in tension in us between pleasure and jouissance. And so we're caught in the middle of this ongoing battle. We interrupt this conversation for a quick message from our sponsors. You may recognize this conversation from the past because it is actually a piece of a longer live stream. So what I've done is I've edited the conversations I had with Mikey down into smaller chunks and I will be releasing those serially until the launch of the Slavoj Zizek's For They Know Not What They Do course taught by Michael Downs and myself. I will be asking him the questions and hystericizing him along with a cohort of people who will be joining us live and in the forums as we do a close reading of what Slavoj Zizek claims is his most important theoretical work, more important than sublime objective ideology by far. He said that if you don't have anything to say about for they know not what they do, then keep silent when it comes to sublime objective ideology. But we don't just do close thorough hardcore readings we also have some more introductory stuff and so if you go to theory-underground.com forward slash events then you'll be able to see the dates of all of the upcoming events you see that the idea of the university taught by myself brian and Anne, a couple of educators who are very close to me and uh, we wanted to focus on carl jasper's short work the idea of university as a way to start the year but it's also a way for theory underground to get off on the right track the january 25th is the professional managerial class consciousness course that I'm co-teaching with Elton LK of the Working Class Intelligentsia podcast. And then in February, on the 25th of February, launches GGX4, they know not what they do. Mikey has spent two decades getting himself to the point where he feels confident enough to teach this book. And I think that that humility and effort that he's put in is something that we can all learn from. I mean, come on. He's like our own homegrown Zizek. He's like our own like national treasure. I think that we really ought to uplift him and give credit where it's due, not just take him for granted and act like, you know, we don't need to. So that's a part of the reason actually why I really appreciate Brian Becker from Singularity to Sublimity podcast. And he's done a lot of amazing teaching work himself. A lot of people read the blog and then don't give credit where it's due. 
And that would be fine if he had a cushy academic career with tenure and all that. But he doesn't. He's working in a warehouse, supporting his mom. We need to hashtag free Mikey from wage labor so that he can spend more time doing what his passion is, which is teaching philosophy and theory, writing books. That's what we want. More of these kinds of conversations. Make it possible. Make a donation. 5, 15, 20, 50, 100. Make the donation today. Please. It means a lot. Words are cheap. Money, now that's where it matters. Get your skin in the game. Show Mikey you care. I hope that we'll get to do a lot more of this in the near future. And then the last thing, I'm doing a countrywide tour this year. I will be on the East Coast. I will be on the West Coast. And I will be everywhere in between. So if you want me to come to your town or city, email me. It's down below. If you want to volunteer, be a part of the street team, host or guide while we're there, let me know. I hope to be in a city near you sometime this year. And I hope that you'll take one of my classes. Thanks.